Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. It is already creeping through September so quickly, and I hope you all are having a chance to balance some rest in what I know to be a pretty wild season of life for a lot of us. I know it's been difficult um, to kind of navigate as all of us have been in that busy season, but I hope that you can set your sights on October 2nd. We're going to be in Malibu for our annual beach service which I think is just going to be a really important space for rest. I hope you've already marked your calendars. If not, do that. Uh, We hope to see you up there uh, for what has always been just a day of fun and relaxation, reflection, and all the things that we strive to do and to be as a community. So October 2nd up in Zuma Beach in Malibu. Uh, We're looking forward to that. And so as we have moved through this month, we have moved through our space of our environmental series that we come back to every year. This year's theme is Mercy, Mercy Me, uh, focus on eco-spirituality. Last week, we talked a little bit about just what that is, and we're continuing to kind of move through that space through kind of our own modern parables and stories And I'll also link back to some podcasts from previous years that really outline um, the important hard data and hard facts um, that show where we are in terms of our environmental crises. We need both, right? We need both the space of rest and being able to connect to nature. And then we also need the reminders that really demonstrate and illustrate how important this is and why we come back to this every year. So look for that on the website just to, if you are interested in kind of one side or the other, um, to have the full perspective. I think it's important to have both. But as we move through, I want to share kind of a story analogy um, that I think has, has recently kind of been circling for me, but I think also connects to this idea around eco-spirituality. I am by no means a pro surfer. In fact, I grew up in the Midwest, so the closest body of water to me was Lake Michigan, um, and no one really surfs Lake Michigan. You might see a boogie board, but that's about as far as the extent you'll get. And so this was one of those things on my bucket list, ready to go, moving out to California. My naive little Midwest self. And I've been out several times, and I love the experience of it. My goodness, it can be exhausting, but I love connecting to the ocean in that way. And the ocean has taught me uh, several lessons, uh, quite humbling so. And I think I have some scars uh, to show for of learning not to turn my back on the ocean, to respect the waves, to interact in a way that places me a little bit lower um, in terms of my respect for, or increasing my respect for the ocean. And I've had to learn over time, but what I find beautiful about the ocean in its power, uh, that it doesn't conform to any man-made laws, but there are things that are bigger and powerful than we can even sometimes put words to. There's something beautifully healing about the ocean, and there's something so powerful that it can be destructive. 
there's a both and, as always. What I love about the ocean when it comes to the space of surfing is this oneness that you can experience if you allow yourself to. I've talked to uh, many, many people who are far more talented surfers than I, but there are a few defining features that are always the same in the stories that they tell me. Their favorite waves, memories that have stuck in their brains for decades as they describe specific waves that they've caught and this almost meditative state that they experience for 20 seconds, 40 seconds, however long the wave is. It is described, and I've gotten to experience it very briefly, where you almost feel so connected where that you don't know maybe where your body ends, the board is, and the wave begins. There's a sense of oneness, um, sometimes even almost a floating, that you are dependent more so on your sense of feeling than a sense of intellect. This is why I think people continue to pursue something that is, in reality, quite dangerous, right? There's something really humbling about the experience of surfing. It hopefully makes us question our uh, attitude of human superiority towards nature. And for me, it has definitely lifted up uh, the limitations of my abilities, especially as a beginner. But there is that sense of not knowing even where the intellect has to kind of stop and the feeling has to begin in order to connect to the wave that points me and hopefully points us towards an awareness of oneness with things around us, with the sense of nature, uh, the connection to beings that are outside of us. This points towards an ecological sense of the environment versus an ego-logical one that puts us at the top. And it's important, I think, to continue to kind of uh, drag on this idea of eco-spirituality because there has to, somewhere in between, be a sense of how we make meaning in life. And that can be for something as simple as a hike that you go on or something that you do or something as big as why do you connect to the issue of environmental justice. I think we always have a oneness with God in all things, right? I think it is when we lose this awareness that we can kind of distract towards disconnection and isolation, which for me, I believe, is where all of these problems, all these things that humans have done, corporations have done, uh, to take advantage of the earth And we need a sense of reconnection, not just us as one community, but us on the global scale in order to take this seriously, in order to protect the earth. So there are things, you know, that we've talked about in terms of what disconnects us, whether that's just our daily tasks, the daily stress of life, consumerism, capitalism, right? This idea of work as hard as you can, um, and also things within our structure, even the National Park Service, right, was created with an idea that we had to set apart spaces um, 
for pretty much the white, middle, and upper class people to have a beautiful space to go rest. And so even within beautiful spaces, there have been elements of intersectionality when it comes to um, protecting or believing that we're protecting the earth. In a space of disconnection can further allow us to sink into isolation, right? Where we don't even think about the realities, that the problems become over there, that it doesn't really affect us. It's easier to abandon taking care of or ignore things when we're confronted with it. Uh, when we're isolated away from our sense of connection, I think that is the issue of a healthy relationship with something or someone that you love. Um, you can't really abandon or abuse, or you, at least you hope not to, because of that connection that you have with it. But as you lose that connection, I think that is where uh, the issues rise. And this has been kind of dealt with across many traditions, but the Pope points to the consequence of losing that sense of oneness with all of creation, that if we lose our sense of awe, our attitude becomes that of masters, consumers, ruthless exploiters, unable to set limits on their immediate needs. I don't think it's even just needs, I think it's more in terms of wants, right, of desire uh, for things that we have to be careful of. And there has to be a sense of reconnection, to redefine, to come back together in order to see a shift. And something has to trigger us to have, whether it's an emotional or intellectual shift, uh, that allows us to reconnect with a sense of, why is this important? Why are we still talking about this five years in? Why is it showing up on the news, right? The idea of water in and of itself. Right now, there is a water crisis in Jackson, Mississippi, where folks do not have access to clean drinking water. Um, and there's also a water crisis in Pakistan, where there are intense floods right, that are destroying towns, putting people in danger. Right? There are all these different things that are happening, often all at once. Right? There's importance, even within our own tradition, on the healing side, that water is a central sacramental element that we see represented in the space of baptism. We need water to depend on to just live and survive to the next day. I've experienced this beautiful sensation of just the healing sense of connecting with nature and water and the ocean. I've talked to so many people who have these moments of feeling that connectedness, feeling that oneness, and it can, it can continue to shift and change as we see the universe and ourselves evolve. Um, I always love this idea of Thomas Aquinas uh, says, the first book of Revelation is creation. Um, and I always have taken that to me to mean that there is a revealing of God's self, of the divine, in everything around us. Um, and if we look at how we treat water, if we look at how we treat the earth, how might we expand that to understand we are also treating the divine, the divine in all things in those ways? Uh, 
there's a video that's circulated on TikTok that I'll I'll share a link to because I don't always just find it so fascinating to see kind of what pops up uh, through social media, what makes its rounds. But I think it actually kind of gets at something. There's awareness of that oneness that reunites us. Um, and I think that's where eco-spirituality comes in. The intention comes in. There's a couple books that I can point uh, folks towards. One is Cry of the Earth, Cry of the Poor uh, by Leonardo Boff. And uh, Boff writes this in terms of eco-spirituality. That love leads us to identify ever more with the earth. For love is a great unifying and integrating power of universe. For centuries we've thought about the earth. We, we were the subject of thought and earth was its object. Love leads us to identify with earth in such a way that we no longer need to become aware of these things for they have become second nature. We can be mountain, sea, air, road, tree, animal. We can be one with Christ, with the Spirit, and ultimately with God. There's something about an ongoing essence of creating and co-creating with the earth. Creating a sense of connection, of oneness. Trying to allow space for mystery and ultimate reality. Uh, to point us to the divine that is within us and all around us. Hopefully that leads us to want to enjoy a sense of wonder, of insight, of the natural world around us, of things that allow us to see things a little bit differently. Uh, I always enjoy uh, activities that embrace a sense of perspective, right? That the whole point is to get you to look at things a little bit differently. I think that's what our text leads us towards. I think that's what these stories and kind of modern parables lead us towards. We have to keep considering what will get not just us, but the collective to a space where environmental justice doesn't just matter in the intellect it matters as a feeling, matters as something that we can push towards and strive for, not just on an individual level, but something that will make a huge difference. Um, you know, we try to, to offer up the space of eco-spirituality as a place of rest because we also know how difficult it is um, to take in all of the hard facts. So it can be so overwhelming, but that's why we're here. That's why we want to join in a collective space where we can say, this is what matters to us. This is how we make meaning of the world around us. How can we invite people into that space too? So our conversation on Sunday, I just want to talk about kind of where we see elements of nature already showing up, whether that's in our liturgy, our practices, or what's important to us. And that can be from a spiritual standpoint or just in your daily life. And we'll start there and we'll lean into a space that hopefully pushes us back towards an awareness that it's, it's not just us having this conversation or doing this work, um, but we're connected with all things around us. And that is absolutely beautiful. So as we approach this week, may we love God, embrace beauty, and live life to the fullest.